Hello, I'm Damien Wilde, Editor-in-Chief of EG. Welcome to another Future Leaders podcast. When EG launched its Future Leaders project, our intention, this time at least, was to give women a voice and build their confidence. But you won't need to have followed the project too closely to know that for many of this year's cohort of future female leaders, it's been much, much more. A leadership course by stealth is how our training partner Ginger described their ambition, and it's one that's being delivered upon. In previous podcasts and articles, we've heard from our future leaders and current leaders of their organisations. This time, we wanted to hear from different voices within those organisations, in many cases, those responsible for embedding this changed thinking. Today, I'm joined in the EG studio by three of them. William Beardmore Gray is Global Head of Occupier Services and Commercial Agency at Knight Frank. Sarah Turner is Head of Organisational Effectiveness for Grosvenor, Britain and Ireland. And Becca Johansson is Head of Operations for Real Estate at DLA Piper. Welcome to you all. Let's get in, into this conversation. I, I, I want to know how it's going at your organisations and how it sits alongside other programmes you're, you're running. But firstly, it'd be good to get from each of you perhaps a, a quick reminder about why you wanted to get involved. Becca, can I start with you? Sure. Um, thanks for the opportunity and thanks for inviting us here to talk about it today. Um, the Future Female Leaders Programme that, that you're running with the States Gazette has been phenomenal. It's been a really good experience so far for Alana, who's our, our legal director, who's who's taking part in the programme. I think um, this is a topic um, generally that is, is gaining a lot of traction. Um, everybody knows that we need to have more diverse uh, more diverse workforce and uh, more diversity and and in a more inclusive environment and that's not just because it's a box ticking exercise or even because it's the right thing to do or a nice thing to do there are also a lot of sort of business imperatives um that mean that you know you get a better outcome when you have a a diversity of thought um so it's something that uh, isn't new to us as an organization but i think what the future female leaders program has given us is the opportunity to engage and interact with others outside of our own organization so more broadly in the industry and um, yes, it's been so far a really positive experience. Great and it, it sits alongside other programs that you're doing I presume? Absolutely yes yes I think um, with topics like this there's there's no silver bullet you know we've only there's, there's not even five silver bullets it's a you, you need it's a general sort of groundswell isn't it um, we run a number of programs um, we've been very fortunate to have a number of fairly sort of high profile uh, clients and uh, female leaders in the industry who've been working with us through um, some mentoring lunches that we've been setting up so really it's about identifying those um, sort of female talent and giving them role models and um, opportunities to build their networks. Great and uh, Sarah at Grosvenor why, why was it that you wanted to get involved initially? Um, very similar to uh, Becca, uh, in that we have a big focus on uh, creating a more inclusive environment, and a big part of that is giving our senior, well, en- encouraging more females to rise through the ranks um, and have a voice at more senior levels. So for Emily particularly, um, she's our um, leading on our sustainability programme, um, and so she's quite external facing so to really help build her confidence and her ability to have that voice internally and externally has been a really key part for us and again it's sitting alongside other programs that, that you're doing internally yeah absolutely so um, we've got a focus on a number of different areas um, we've been doing a lot of work this year around inclusive leadership um, helping our um, executive team and our senior leadership team um, to develop their awareness self-awareness around how to be a more inclusive leader um, we've also had a really big focus on flexible working, um, again with a real clear 
um, aim of encouraging more females, not just females, you know, actually just employees to be able to have more flexibility and work-life balance. Um, but that's been a big part of this as well. And have you seen Emily change during the programme? Yeah, she's really blossoming. I think she's really taking a lot from it and um, really growing in confidence. So it's great. That's great to hear. And William, how about Knight Frank? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I'd echo everything that's been said. It's great to have these programmes which are external to our business because we can do so much within our own businesses. But I think to be able to um, ourselves, you know, at, at, a, at a business leader level, but also... Um, no, Catherine's got a huge amount out of this um, meeting. Uh, others from other from other businesses. Um, we, I suppose, started our journey um, as being one of the sort of founder members of changing the face of property uh, back in 2012. Um, and out of that, clearly, have come a number of initiatives um, in relation to diversity and inclusion. But on the gender balance side, last year, the exec board took a, um, you know, a decision that we really wanted to accelerate that program, and that sat next to um, the KFX program, which I was talking to Becca about outside, where we had 90 of our future leaders um, identified and put into boards, which effectively are helping to shape the strategy of the business. But one of the key points about those boards that were that they were... Um, they were totally 50-50 in terms of gender, in terms of their leaders, and also the the um, people included in them. And Catherine, who is part of this program, um, sits on our people board. And through that experience and through this experience, um, it's fantastic. Not, not just Catherine, but the way we've seen others grow once they've been given the opportunity to lead and to feel that they're making decisions which are changing the way our business is moving. And so that's been a, a seven-year journey so far if, if we think back to the changing the face of property yep. initiative and its launch um we were talking earlier about how many silver bullets might be uh, needed to deliver change do you do you take a view on how long um this this overhaul might take it's a really good question um, it's a very difficult one to answer well i mean i i'm definitely looking at um it's a five to 10 year journey, I think, probably to get to make the significant difference that we want. But there is no way that we're going to achieve that unless we put the, the building blocks in place now. And you know, you've got to have a plan. Um, I think you've got to be very public about that plan within your organization. Um, you've got to be accountable. Um, and, um, and I think that's how businesses should be judged. Um, you know. We're, we're clearly not in a great position um, at the moment in relation to our gender balance uh, as an industry, um, um, but it is something that we're absolutely determined to change. Okay, thank you. And um, Sarah, I wonder how we, we've talked a little about how the participants have changed. I wonder how the organisation has changed. Is, is it a water cooler topic of conversation now, do you think? Absolutely. And I think it's just, I mean, what I've found um, at Grosvenor, there's a lot of just people start talking about things. You know, you raise awareness of something, it becomes a talking point, and then people start referring to it. Um, so it's really generated quite a lot of interest. And I think um, alongside some of the other programs that we've got going on, it's just much more, much more open, much more a topic that we can talk about around how do we make sure we're giving women a voice? How do we make sure that women are being able to, able to um, develop their careers and, um, and progress? Um, so absolutely. 
And is it there? Is it happening in those annual appraisal conversations? <laughs> is it? How can I get on a program like this? Is that the sort of question you're <laughs> yes, being asked? Yes. Um, I mean, like William says, I think absolutely it's a journey. Um, we're very much at the starting point of our journey within Grosvenor. Um, so there's a lot more focus than I would say there perhaps has been previously. So we absolutely pour over all of our decision making around promotion, around um, around development, who gets given the opportunities to go on these kinds of programmes. Um, so we always make sure uh, where we can that we have gender balance and that it's been a fair and equal process. Thank you. And uh, Becca, I always think that some other areas of professional services were further ahead on on these sorts of initiatives. I wonder if um, if real estate lags behind the law. Are, are other parts of DLA Piper, have, have they resolved some of these issues? I, I think, you know, across all of the um, the types of law that, and, the, and the different practice groups that we have at DLA Piper, this is, it's, it's an equally important focus. I think, um, like, like many professions, there are types of law that more naturally typically attract women. So employment law is a good example of that. Um, so th- there are, you know, some areas have m- further to go than others. But, uh, but, but across the firm, um, it is, you know, it's a really important focus for us. And actually, I think um, it will, you mentioned inclusive leadership earlier, and I think that's really key to it um, because it is about the, the tone from the top. Um, and I don't think it's about, I don't think the, the outcome or the goal is achieving diversity for diversity's sake. You, you know, you can go out and bring in a diverse group of people. It's how do you make them feel included and welcome and at home so that they want to, you know, to, to stay with us and, and develop their career with us. And what does that whole package look like to, um, to make um, everyone from whatever background, um, whatever gender, feel like that that is a place that they want to build a, a, um, a career? It, th- there's many components to that. I wonder if you could highlight some of them. Yeah, I'll do my best. You're right. There are, it's a very multifaceted uh, um, approach, isn't it? Um, I think inclusive leadership that we just mentioned is, is very important. Um, You'll have to remind me what the question was. I, I just wonder about how you create that environment. There, oh, there's the environment, many, yes. Many I mean, there's a concept there. called bringing yourself to work, isn't there? The, the idea that you are comfortable to be yourself, your whole self, um, uh, equally so at, in the office at, as at home. And I think that's very important. And there are any number of campaigns and policies and programs of, of which we have many. Um, but, but really underlying all of that is people feeling that they have the the permission, if you like, um, to take advantage of those policies. I think we're going to come on to talking about flexible working in a moment, but um, uh, I think many organisations have had probably flexible working policies in place for a long time. The question is, do people feel um, that they have that permission to to take advantage of those policies? So it really is a lot about the, I, I think, the tone from the top. I think we all as leaders have a real responsibility to um, walk the talk, really, um, small things that I try to do um, is, you know, to be very visible and open myself about my commitments outside of work, about the challenges that I might face, uh, talking about sort of mental health struggles that people might might come across, um, putting in my diary very visibly the morning that I have blocked off because it's my daughter's assembly or um, all these types of things. Um, so again, it comes back to that that original yeah. statement. There's no one single you know way of, of of making progress in these things. It's uh, 
really has to be a, a broad and consistent and sustained approach, I think. Okay, and William, so permission, tone, and policy going hand in hand. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, com- I completely agree. I think that the, there's a whole uh, attitude that has been within businesses over the last 10, 15 years that, well, you know, I work flex- flexibly, flex- flexibly. Uh, doesn't everybody? And in fact, actually, what you're finding is that, you know, a large majority of your, or not mu- a large proportion of your workforce doesn't feel comfortable or trusted or able to act in the way that one they, sh- they, they, they should be allowed to act to be most productive. Is that hierarchical? Are you talking about I think junior it is, levels yeah. relative yeah. to senior? I, th- I, think, I think it probably is. And so, therefore, I think that point about um, these topics absolutely being owned at the top of the business. Um, you know, this is, you know, chief exec downwards um, and taking everybody on a journey in, in a positive fashion, I think, is really important. How do you demonstrate that? Well, we've, um, I mean, I absolutely agree with Becky. You've got to lead by example. Um, and we, we are in the middle of a lot of change around flexible working. Dynamic working is what we call it. Um, we've appointed an external consultant to help us on um, the gender balance journey. And uh, a lady who's a global leader, Aviva Wittenberg-Cox, um, is working with us. And so there's something some nods of recognition around yeah. the table. <laughs> there's, there's something she said to me the other day uh, is that you've got to stop, um, you've got to stop uh, blame or trying or blaming the men and fixing the women. Mm. And it was a really interesting statement because what she meant by that, I, th- I think, is that um, that's a very negative approach. And and what you've got to do is you know you've got to you've got to be able to communicate why you're doing these things and therefore you've got to take the business on a journey you've got to you've got to talk to them you've got to strategize with them you've got to train them you've got to embed it in their business plans and um, you're not going to you know people don't like to be told they they need to be taken and some people are slower at um, you know some people will never get it and you've got to leave them behind but you know, some people are, are not as far along the journey as others, and and I think you've got to understand that this. I mean, you you yourself said earlier that um, this sort of debate, rightly, um, you know, has has exploded in the last two or three years, and so people are at very different places on the on the curve. And I think that, um, as I said earlier, people should be absolutely. People have got to be making plans, and they've got to be uh, accountable and measurable, um, and that's what they should be judged on. Okay, thank you. And Sarah, William there was referring to a conversation we had before we switched the microphones on that I should bring listeners uh, in on where we were talking about that changing agenda from resi, retail, industrial and offices to uh, diversity and inclusion, sustainability, social impact, mental health. Is that a, do you recognise that change of com- conversation within Grosvenor as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just building on, on William's point there around um, men needing to be part of the solution. So um, some of the things that we've been looking at is uh, really about, about role modelling, all these sorts of things. So uh, we've been working hard. Um, so our executive team have, um, I mean, actually, we, we did a, a flexible working month last year where we gave everyone blanket approval from the chief exec to have a go. Um, and that took um, various different forms, um, but had a great result because actually we've now got double the amount of people working flexibly that we did before. Um, and as part of that, we had some members of our senior team who were just perhaps a bit reluctant, kind of culturally just used to being present in the office, and that was what the, the done thing, uh, the done thing, and uh, pushed and encouraged them to give it a go, and they're now complete advocates. I think it's great. Um, so that's interesting, but it, it was a month that yep. changed the thinking among <laughs> some 
stick in the mud, so I imagine. Because I really said to them, you know, if we're going to do this, you know, our chief exec, Craig, said, you know, I give everyone permission. Even if your line manager might not normally have been supportive of this, I want everyone to give it a go. Um, and so I needed senior role models to kind of say, okay, I'm going to give this a go. I don't normally work from home, but I'm going to give it a go. Or I'm going to come in late and finish late. Or, and I'm going to leave loudly is a phrase we use, you know. Yes. So, um, and trying to, just trying to get this message across that work is an action, it's not a place. And Craig led by example there. He did. It took a bit of encouragement, but he did. <laughs> yeah. I was I was going to move on to that about um, flexible working and part time um, providing benefits to the industry. Becca, do you think it's available enough? Uh, I think it comes back to what I said before. I think the policies broadly are probably there, but it's it's that um, it's that cultural piece that Sarah just referred to. That uh, um, I mean, I, I can't speak for for all organisations. I can speak for my own and at DLA Piper. Um, we have quite recently refreshed and, and launched something called our Work Smart policy, um, which is really about that sort of everyday flexibility. Mm. Um, and uh, it, it's harder than, than one might imagine to launch a policy which is globally applicable because there are different, um, obviously there are lots of you know regulatory differences across, um, across different countries. There are also a lot of cultural differences of uh, different countries, but it was something that was really important to us that this was almost at the heart of our, our DNA as an organization. And so we, we, we fought on <laughs> until we managed to get something that was um, uh, you know, bought into and um, applicable ac across the globe. And that, I think, uh, again, it's some people were, were doing this type of thing already, but it was formalizing it, it was um, celebrating it, it was communicating it. Um, and that's really, it's, it's, I think it's, it's more sophisticated than just talking about part-time working or flexible working. It, it really is that sort of smart working. Uh, you know, it's about the using technologies in different ways. It's and and the way we've positioned it is that these things, it's flexibility in in both directions. So um, you know, as a, an individual and as an employee, um, you're afforded as much flexibility as as you need. But um, the, there will always be occasions when it when it goes the other way and I think that's how you can help to build that sort of um, loyalty and trust and that sort of sense of, of belonging to an organization one very personal example I can perhaps give um, myself uh, my husband is Swedish and um, we obviously have family in Sweden and a house in Sweden and so I try to spend a, a little over a month so about five weeks of the summer holidays every year living in in Sweden um, it's really important for us. It's a you know an opportunity to to catch up with family and for children to spend time in their other home. Um, and I, what works for me is to spread my holiday out across that that period. Um, so I work a couple of hours most mornings, often before the children get out of bed, um, and then I spend some really you know lovely quality time with the children. Um, that's, I think. It, it, it's great for me and it also I think the way that I can then able to talk about that and the fact that I work for an organization that you know not only allows me to do that but sort of almost encourages me and knows how important that is for me is, is a really powerful thing I, I, one I suppose word of caution or something that I've I've learned and been thinking about it recently is that everybody's different mm -hmm. so that's what works for me and my family circumstances just at the moment um, uh, somebody made a comment to me gosh you're always working on your holidays don't you ever take time off 
and it, it made me sort of see things in different light. And I thought, oh, gosh, people, because I might be sending emails late at night or sending emails when people think ostensibly I'm away and therefore on holiday, um, I might inadvertently be sort of setting the expectation that they should do the same. So I think what's really important is that you're constantly having open conversations um, and almost building that into uh, all of the, the conversations that you have, whether it's about how you work together as a team, whether it's about... Um, you know, different people's um, requirements and expectations and normalizing that and saying, look, this is what works for me. I like to leave the office quite early because it's really important to me that I uh, catch up with my children when they come home from school. Therefore, sometimes I'll work late in the evenings. If I, you know, send you an email late at the evening, I absolutely don't expect you to, to reply to it um, until, you know, a time that's suitable for it's you. It's a hard so. thing to set that cultural tone and that balance. It is. I and think. I think the only thing you can do is to keep talking about it, yeah. I think. And recognizing that people are different and there's not one size fits all and one universal model of the right way to do things. Okay, um, William, I wonder how much of this is entirely within your control, particularly the, the sort of work that you do and uh, that Becca does, because there are client expectations as well. And the client may well expect their, their partner to be on the end of a phone at 10 o'clock at, at night and um, they, they won't have heard um, that partner or that key contact leave loudly. Um, uh, earlier that day. So how, how do you educate clients on this? I think that's, that's very difficult. I mean, I think that you, you again, it comes down to individuals um, uh, working smartly. I absolutely believe with uh, everything Becca was saying, um, it's a debate raging within our organization at the moment as to how we deal with it. And um, we're we're about to start a pilot and to see how it works because we are a, we are a business which you know was fixed on presenteeism and so we're you know very focused now on making sure that people feel trusted empowered to work wh which makes in a way which makes them most productive um, uh, the you know in a transactional organization um, you know clearly the client comes first and ultimately one of the things that we are you know we're sort of writing into what we're talking about here is that of course this um th we want people to work flexibly but um that is not at the um the price of you know seeing your clients less I and mean, that can't be it can't be the way forward but i think that the way that um you know business is changing generally there is there, there is a there is an acceptance that people will be working differently and uh, Sarah, I suppose, as the client in, in many of these situations, do you recognise that? Is that something that you're talking about within the firm, as w within the business as well? Yeah, I think it kind of goes, it's it's the two-way side of things. So um, it's important to send the message. And I think it's important for an organisation like Knight Frank to send the message that they take this kind of stuff seriously, that it's really important and they're going to they're gonna role model it. And actually, we would probably um, expect that anyway and would be wanting to work that way ourselves. And I think the whole point about being flexible is it's not being stuck within that nine to five. You know, we have a lot of industry events in the evenings. So actually, come in late, finish late. Um, work from home the next day do what you need to do to mean that you can be there to get the work done but that doesn't mean you've got to be tied to your desk okay we've talked a lot um about how uh, each of your organizations is changing and how the industry is changing uh once people are there once people are appointed i wonder how recruitment um is changing as well are you taking new new approaches and are you bringing this up at interview william saying this is how we work 
Well, I mean, we're, we're, we're taking um, a massively new approach um, now in relation to the type of, you know, the, the type of people we need within um, the, the property business has changed significantly over the last two or three years, yet the way we recruit hasn't. And um, uh, we are going to change our approach by the, first of all, I'd just like to say property markets itself really badly as an industry so and the way the industry is fed um, and the RSCS understand this and and they they accept that you know businesses like ours at the moment are being pushed to look at possibly 50% of our intake being non-cognate as opposed to um, those who have come through uh, property degrees because there are thousands of people out there um, who are seeing the qualifications and the hurdles as a barrier into our industry so that's got to change um and and i you know we're having some very good conversations as as businesses with the rscs around this topic um the other thing is that we've got to get um more through things like changing the face of property etc we've got to get into schools we've got to be marketing the industry um better to a more diverse socio-economic um group of people um, and so I think that the, the biggest change to the way we recruit uh, and, and early careers is by, you know, really broadening the net um, in terms of the type of people we're talking to. Okay, so broaden the net and then at that interview stage, how, how are you describing the business differently? Are you describing the working culture differently as well? Well, absolutely, because we are changing. You know, we've got... Um, in, in the last 12 to 24 months, you know, we've got a number of initiatives, some of, some, some of which I've mentioned here. Um, the KFX initi initiative has been um, talked about quite widely amongst, um, you know, the younger members of our organization and other organizations. And it's even helped us to recruit people into the business that people are seeing us taking these steps, which is, which is really heartening to see that it's, it's recognized outside of um, but you know, uh, and absolutely, you know, we are on a journey. We're we're nowhere near the end of it, and we've got an awful lot to do. But um, I think that you know, we if we do not communicate these changes, and we do not um, and shout loudly about what we're doing, and 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 hold ourselves accountable, then we'll be seen through by those people looking into our business. Um, so it's got to be real. Okay, thank you. And um, Becca, from your um, recruitment perspective you've we've talked about how this change is necessary for the for the people within the organization is it the expectation of people coming into to the industry that this is simply how it needs to be done i think i think so um i think you, i tend to think of recruiting in 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 two sort of buckets for us there's the graduate intake which is obviously our sort of annual source of, of new fresh talent into the into the firm um and then there's the sort of the the, the lateral hiring that we do um, you know, bringing people in from other other organisations. Uh, I think at the graduate intake, there's actually some really exciting things happening around things like contextualised recruitment. Um, working with a, an organisation called Rare, which is supporting us with that. But um, sorry, what is contextualised recruitment? So it's 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 looking at in a in a in a data driven way. It's looking at the context of which people have achieved their grades. So it's not just looking at your A level results or whatever it might be. It's a scientific way of looking at the context. So did an individual outperform versus others in their school? 
did an individual perform exceptionally well if you take into effect the context of their background? They might have been a refugee. They might have had a, a, a you know a sort of a hardship background. So it's being much more sophisticated and looking at what people can achieve in their environment or what people have been able to achieve in their environment um, and not just sort of doing that blanket, you know, rather simplistic way of looking at achievement in, in black and white. Um, so that's very exciting. I think across the profession and professional services, the use of um, artificial intelligence to ensure um, that you know recruitment tools are um, eliminating bias. Uh, I think an organisation called Seedlink is uh, is working with that type of thing. I'm sure there are others as well. Um, so there really are some, I, I would say, fundamental changes in thinking and approach and philosophy at, at that graduate level or that that sort of um, um, first intake. And then I think the, to answer the question that, that you were asking about how are we describing ourselves and tackling these topics in interviews, I think the answer is you know, very openly because people are asking, you know, we're trying to attract people to our organisation and this is very much on their agenda. I'm regularly asked in interviews, well, what's your what's your approach to, to smart working or, or flexible working? Um, you know, how do you deal with mental health? Um, and so it's not even that we, it's something that uh, we're, we're very proud of and we want to talk about, but it's also something that is, is being sort of expected. It's, it's, uh, it's almost, you know, as important or more important than, than how much you're going to pay me, I think, is, is am I going to feel at home in this organisation? And Sarah, you were, you were nodding there. Are those the sort of topics that um, candidates want to see addressed? Uh, flexible working, uh, mental health, but does it go through to sustainability, social impact, on which your CEO has been very vocal? Absolutely. I mean, that's something we talk a lot about. Um, I mean, actually, we redesigned our graduate assessment process last year, very much along the lines that Becca's talked about. Um, and uh, a big part of that was we asked them to complete a digital um, online case study as one of the um, assessment stages, and it was all about uh, sustainability and innovation. So really trying to share what our values of our business are so that people who join us have that share our passion um, for, for, the, for the purpose that, that, we, that we have. Um, and actually, um, just sort of building more on in terms of your question around um, how we've made some changes, we've really focused on moving away from... Um, competency-based recruitment towards more strengths-based um, so that enables us particularly for, for graduates um, to be asking them um, and assessing them for potential rather than previous experience which means that there's less of a focus on perhaps work experience or opportunities to get involved in things at, at university or at school um, and uh, also just really trying to actively mitigate bias when we're making decisions in interviews. So we've got some just-in-time guides that um, our interviewers reference before they, just before they go into the interview to remind themselves of the kinds of biases that might trip them up, uh, where we can, where it's possible, to have diverse interview panels. Um, so just really trying to take as many steps as we possibly can that, to make sure we're making fair decisions, but also that we're giving a realistic job preview so that when candidates go through that process, they think, is this the kind of organisation I want to be part of? Okay, well, thank you all for coming in. I think the one word that resonated a lot towards the end was loudly, whether it's leaving or, or talking about the change there. And it's clearly about not just policy, but tone and leading by example as well. But thank you all for coming in. Thank you.